Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with a Super Bowl week, post-Senior Bowl week edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. we got a lot to get to, so let's not waste any time and get right into the proceedings. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the driver machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Not too shabby. And the third member of our team, he is our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever he gets that T-ring back in, Matt and I will make sure he wears it proudly. But nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. I appreciate uh, it as always. No problem. Yeah, by the way, CB, I know you're listening to this podcast right now. And thank everybody for listening, downloading, however you do it, wherever you're doing it from. We thank you so much for your support Shout of out. Longhorn Blitz and all the Horns 24-7 podcasts. Uh, I was filling in for Kevin Dunn on the afternoon show on the Horn uh, Rod, you have your Longhorn Insider segment, and mm-hmm. Rod's in the studio. And CB wants me to do the Rod Babers intro, and I said, "No, you want the you want the Rod B intro. You got to listen to the blitz." Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It wasn't in the right mood either for it. Like you're in a different mindset than your blitz mindset. I agree with that. Yeah. Exclusivity. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So I said, like you don't. I, I I compared it to this. I said, you don't just go up to Ric Flair and ask him to just cut a promo. <laughs> yeah, you can ask for the Ric Flair. Woo. But he'll them. get that to you. But yeah, the promo, yeah, you got to do something yeah, yeah, special for that. Man. You're not going to be hearing about alligator shoes and spilt liquor and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So um, I don't know how to segue to this. We I want to spend a couple minutes on it. Um, you know, if you know you don't want to hear this part, you just want to hear about text related stuff. You can fast forward a couple minutes, or if you want to hang with us, feel free. But Rod, um, you know, we talked. In kind of late summer when Cedric Benson passed, how that mm. impacted us in a number of different ways. And the Kobe Bryant passing, the, the, the way it happened, just the suddenness of it, and the fact that I've heard it put so many different ways and trying to, like, frame it to how it mm-hmm. makes you feel. And one thing I heard from, from you know, I'm 36, so kind of people my age, I didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan in kind of his formative years in the NBA. My, yeah. my first like basketball conscious was that 91 season the year he won the first title. But so I didn't, so I was a Jordan fan, but I didn't have that part of it. Yeah. But Kobe Bryant was the first superstar where I felt like, okay, he's ours. Like you watched him come into the league at 17, mm-hmm. and then you got the next 20 years. Um, so that part of it was hard. And, like, I never, like, and I'm trying to frame it, like, I never understood, like, my mom and dad always talk about, like, when Elvis died, like, the impact it had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I never really got it. I didn't know Elvis was important, but I wasn't alive, so I never mm-hmm. really got it. Yeah. Now I think I get it, because it's kind of the same thing. Like, you, you picture, like, Kobe Bryant's not supposed to die. I'm, like, looking at, yeah. you know, the in memoriam pictures, like, even this morning, I was like, I still can't, like, wrap my head around when you see to the year 2020 like that that that's not it's not right like you can't yeah something's up that it's weird I, yeah I so that. in a number of ways as a sports fan as a, as a as a fan of the nba growing up as a father as a father of a daughter this hit me a number of different ways um so matt i just kind of want to give you the floor rod i know you talked a lot about it on your shows this week i just want to give you guys the floor anything you guys want to get out um before we move on with the show today um yeah, I, I it's I think it hit everybody hard harder, and I hate to you know hate to get into how you know obviously tragic everything was, but nine people 
um, in so many families, right? I mean, um, Altabelli, the John Altabelli, the his, Orange his wife Coast and daughter, College, Orange Coast College, yeah, uh, was actually a, a college teammate. roommate, college teammate, and roommate of David Pierce, yeah, at the it, University of Houston. It's crazy how how close to home he gets. So that family, I mean, his wife, his daughter, I mean, that family obviously has been um, just just tragically struck in this manner. And there was another uh, assistant coach who was a mom also on board, and her daughter was on board. So it was, and of course, Gigi on there. So it, I when it when that when I learned that news, I think, I think it took it to a different level because um, you know there were so many families that are potentially destroyed because of this. So our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to everybody affected by it personally. But I think we all—it's weird in pop culture. You know, you feel you feel strange when somebody passes away that you don't know at all, that you have no personal connection with, and yet I'm at Docs and my girlfriend tells me she's like Kobe's dead. And she said, and I blamed her. She said it in such a nonchalant manner. Like she should almost like to brace me for what she did. And she's like, Kobe's dead. And I was like, what? She's like, Kobe died. And I was like, why are you, what are you talking about? Why are you, what are you saying? And this is a bad, what are you saying? Like I, I didn't process it at first. She was like, she said, Kobe died in a helicopter crash just now. They're reporting it. And she had like, like it took me that much to process it as a grown man coming from my woman. Because it was just so shocking, just came out of nowhere, and I'm sitting there and I'm going through all, the, you know, I'm going through Twitter and looking at all the stuff, and my girlfriend's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." I'm just looking at this. She's like, "You're tearing up," and I was like, "I'm tearing up." So I was like, "Oh hell, I am kind of tearing up." I didn't realize that I was a Kobe fan, honestly, until that moment. I kind of didn't. <laughs> well, because I, I don't it, think it, I was a Kobe it fan. It detaches you, and you and I it's both have little, talked yeah, long you know I mean? about this. We were like yeah. one of the few LeBron fans when there were a time in sports to decide between a Kobe or a LeBron, and there was yeah. always. But that's when something like this can take it full circle and, like, the human element is just intertwined because it's some player that, like had Jeff said, there wasn't a person that was, say, he was LeBron before LeBron, but he emulated MJ in between the two to where, like, to our generation, when I was 11 and Kobe was 17 going into the league, it seemed like he was a generation detached. He was older, but then, like, to see that play out the way that it did and it was just immediate greatness in like 2000 he's like already like one of the best players that you could see in the entire NBA immediately and just like to be able to encapsulate his life and when you see 41 and that he was a 20-time all-star and he won academy award and he has the grown daughter another daughter two other daughter like that what he crammed into one life was really as much or more than any other human that could arguably have ever walked this earth. But like when somebody like that dies to a, somebody like us that have chronicled their life, it's almost like a deity dying. Somebody that is on that level that you just had always thought of as almost non-human because of their greatness. And then it ends up being that it triggers you because you realize how, you know, priceless life is and how much yeah. in one second. I think one of the things that's complained about Kobe's story is that we've watched him grow. He's the first su- true superstar to be kind of internet. Like there's all internet documented. Like uh-huh. you got everything. You can go back. I did rabbit hole and went all the way back to Kobe's career. And you get everything. And early on in his career, you know, he's he's got a lot of bravado and he's arrogant and he's egotistical. And everybody criticizes him for being petulant and being like a child. To even even to the point where him and Shaq broke up, right? Yeah, that was he's changed more than Kobe, anybody. Yeah, and he we we watched him evolve and grow and you know, and he listen, he is far from a perfect human being. We know that too. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot going on with Kobe. Um but in terms of just him as a basketball player, and then we we watched him now in post basketball become a guy, and he you know he died in that same way, you know trying to forge a relationship with his daughter and try to spend more time with his daughter. The reason he got the freaking helicopter in the first place was because he wanted to have the it was the Mamba mentality. It yeah. really was, and 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 you know people I, I, I listened to a lot of kids. interviews. He said, "Listen, I work out four hours a day during the season, and that's that's outside of practice. He works out eight hours a day in the off, in the off season, and he also wants to be able to pick up his daughters from school, drop his daughters off at school, spend time with them. And he said, there's no way with LA traffic he was going to be able to do that. Right. He wasn't going to be able to be a great father and be an all time great NBA player unless he had the helicopter that would save him two, three, four hours a day." Mm-hmm. And and the crazy part about it is, I know it sounds crazy, and I heard T- uh, Tracy McGrady say uh, just yesterday that you know Kobe told him he wanted to die young. 
Like he wanted to be immortalized. He wanted to die a legend. He wanted to grow old and decrepit and have people have his legend deteriorate. He wanted to die young on top of everything. It's crazy. I know people don't realize how, you know, it's kind of macabre, but, you know, you got to think about the Mamba mentality. The yeah. Mamba mentality is he talked to his wife and they decided, all right, this is how dangerous it is. We won't fly on the chopper together ever. All right? Ever. We won't like ever be on the chopper together, so we know if something happens, our kids still have a parent. All right, so they that, that wasn't. I mean, you talk about that kind of stuff with your wife. You Acquired know, going risk. In, hey, this is risk, but this is gonna improve our quality of life. It's gonna help me accomplish my dreams, help you accomplish your dreams, all that kind of stuff. And our kids. That's some bomba mentality. So if you have to do it all over again, given all the risks and given everything. I'm telling you guys, he'd probably do it. He probably would have bought a better helicopter, probably would have had two pilots in there. Probably, you know what I mean? He'd mm-hmm. have did it differently, but he still would have had right. that chopper. That's the Mamba mentality. Every advantage you can have. And that's why, as a competitor, the stories, which we'll tell a couple of them, they're amazing about Kobe. As a parent, those are the conversations that my wife and I have had those conversations. Yeah. Like, you don't want to have them, but you need to have them. Yeah. Just in case. Well, because you're a parent then and you brought another life in. And at that point, yeah. it just shows that just them <clears throat> too. It's unfortunate. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I want to I get this out there. There's a couple things I want to get out there um, before we move <clears throat> on. <clears throat> and one is, Rod, you mentioned the Colorado incident and Kobe wasn't perfect. But I think that's part of the appeal to Kobe. And it's no different than take pick your athlete, Kobe, Mike Tyson, Tiger Woods. Mm. I think as as a society in America, I think what we love is the fall from grace. Like to see the guy on the pedestal, we love to see the fall. What we love even more is the redemption story, mm-hmm. is what happens on the other side of that. Yep. Um, and I think that's that was honestly part of the appeal to Kobe. And, you know, when he mm-hmm. had, there was the Colorado incident and the jersey change, and it's almost like you look at his career and you can split it into two at that point. It's almost like it's two two different guys. He split into two. Yeah. That's what that's what Mamba comes from, right? Yeah. He literally gives himself the the alter ego. You're a wrestling fan, the alter ego of Black Mamba because he said at that point the world turned on him and people don't realize Black Mamba, you know, he talks about it cuz he has a fascination with animals which we'll get into here in a second. He talks about the Black Mamba is not only the most one of the most lethal snakes uh, venomous wise in, in in the world, but also it's aggressive. It it lashes out. There a, a Black Mamba will come hunt you down if it sees you randomly walking the path. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Most snakes don't do that. Like, that's yep. how aggressive it is. It it it, it, it without provocation it will come after you so kobe started at that point it was him against the world he wanted to lash out he made the alter ego so he could go out there and really destroy souls on the basketball court and then he changed the number a little bit later on and he said that was the completion of the transformation that i was a new player that i was a new kobe a new man everything he believed the transformation had to be complete it couldn't just be physical it had to be metaphysical and spiritual and all dude here's a great great kobe story i know we're not gonna spend a ton of time on this but i get these out real quick okay so Allen Iverson in 1999. Allen Iverson is a phenomenon, right? Allen Iverson scores 40 points, gets 10 assists on Kobe, and I think it's in Philly, all right, in his hometown. Schools him. And Kobe says after that his feelings were hurt, and he was he was just like, he really, really couldn't figure, he was, he was just stupefied. He couldn't figure out Allen Iverson. So here's the story. Uh, AI, uh, this is from the Players' Tribune. AI, uh, AI even uh, was asked about it, too. But they said that Kobe said working harder wasn't enough to stop AI. I had to study this man maniacally. I obsessively read every article and book I could about AI. <laughs> every article, every book. I obsessively watched every game he played, even going back to his IUPU All-American days. I obsessively studied his every success, his every struggle. I obsessively searched for any weakness I could find. I searched the world for musings to add to my muse cage. This led me to study how even great white sharks hunt seals off the coast of South Africa. This was the key. They had patience, the timing, the angles. They didn't chase the seals. They <laughs> waited on the seals. It was amazing. Dude, dude, I was like, what the hell? And he said on February 20, 2000 in Philadelphia, uh, Phil Jackson gave me the assignment of guarding AI at the start of the second half after I think AI had 17 points in the first half. AI didn't score another point <laughs> in the second half. <laughs> and, and he said, I wanted AI to feel the frustration I felt in 1999. He said, I wanted everyone who laughed at that 41 and 10 who put, who put on me to choke on their laughter. Not that everybody has that. Competitive sickness. <laughs> he, stu- he, he went so deep. He studied. I figured the- it out with the seals. Right? <laughs> he went to the film. He went to the articles. The- he went to the books. Everything. Nature. And in the end. And- <laughs> you go back to yes. nature. <laughs> just, 
It was Darwinism. He could be watching David Attenborough. That, guys, that to me, that sums up Kobe. Here's another great Kobe story that I, I know we'll move on to talk text. Here's another great Kobe story about his competitive sickness. The mom, He calls it the Mamba mentality. I always call it the competitive sickness. So uh, Jamal Crawford um, had, his, had this in the Players' Tribune about him, too. And this was a few years ago. So one of the things about the myth of Kobe Bryant is that he was able to he was like the talented Mr. Ripley. You ever seen the movie Talented Mr. Ripley? I have not seen it. Talented Mr. Ripley is this guy can emulate anybody. So basically, he would basically kind of kill people, and then he would take their identity, and he would become them. To, you know what I mean? And, that, and he would basically like just yeah. do everything to make sure that he was able to transform and transmogrify into that person. And Kobe can do that. We know that because of the MJ thing. He was so obsessed with MJ and he studied MJ's movements and everything that he basically looked like MJ when he's he played the He's the only game. superstar that's a great that also could say he totally emulated somebody. Dirk Nowitzki has the famous step back one foot jumper, right? That mm-hmm. it, 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 It's so characteristic of him. It's unique. Everybody knows him. leg. Kobe stole the jumper, uh, famously. There's this video of Kobe doing it. And we're like, Kobe, did you steal that from Dirk? He's like, yeah, I stole it from Dirk. He told Dirk that guy stole your jumper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are like, man, how did he figure out how to do that? Jamal Crawford says once, and this is not about that particular story, but he says once, I, I heard one time in the workout that Kobe practiced the same shot for one hour. The same shot for one hour. Same spot in the court, same movement. And it wasn't like a three-pointer. It was like a shot in mid-range area. Do you know how tedious that is? Mm-hmm. Do you know how locked in you have to be to do one shot for an hour to trick your mind that way? That's unbelievable. Another story about Kobe Bryant. Taught himself how to play Beethoven's Moonlight from ear. Unbelievable. Just hearing it. Think about the discipline it takes. That's, that's got to take a couple of days, weeks, something. You know Wine what I mean? Being so, well. so, so the, the Mamba mentality consists all throughout, right? That's why he's able to mimic MJ. That's why he can take Dirk. But it's also studying the movements of those people and like yeah. and, and obsessing over okay the footwork and this being teased so I can practice one shot for one hour. The stories about Kobe and his competitive sickness and work ethic transcend. Sports. Shaquille O'Neal claims once he, he 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 walked in on Kobe working out without a basketball. Mm-hmm. He was like just doing movements, grunting, motioning without a basketball. He was just like faking it, and he was like, "What the hell is this dude in doing?" But he said, "You know what? It's pretty damn good." Byron Scott claims when Kobe was uh, was eighteen, he once walked in on him practicing basketball in the dark because he couldn't find a janitor to help him turn the lights on. <laughs> and he, he was a coach. So he, walked, he was already two, three hours early there before practice. Kobe was already in there sweating. No lights on. He's shooting basketball in the dark. Can't be good for your eyes. No. That's how obsessive he was. That's what you take from Kobe. Anyone, uh, Kobe wasn't a good person. I like that. Whatever. Kobe admitted he was an a-hole. He said he made teammates cry before. He was not a good person. And the Mamba mentality, it, 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 this, a great quote from Kobe said, friend, he said, I have no friends. I don't have a lot of good friends. He said, friends come and go, but banners hang forever. Because he said, I can't be the greatest basketball player on the planet and also be a good friend to you. Why? Because they take time. Yeah. It takes time. And that's why the, the helicopter, it all comes back to the helicopter. That takes time. The helicopter saved him time. That was the key to the Mamba mentality. One, the one, and then you could always see that with him, like the one thing about him is the change within his career. Because like, we see – the basketball version of Kobe. But then whenever you started to see the family side of Kobe late in his career and seeing him around just doing stuff that you would not have believed or thought was exactly what Kobe would be doing. And then it gets to the point that, like, I learned so much about his daughter and how huge she was strictly for a whole generation of young girls and like it's really sad to see but i then like after seeing the videos and you see kobe wearing the WNBA logo t-shirt and the thing that he was trying to do with you could really tell that once he became the father not only the father aspect but the father of these women and him just talking about how much he like he's like no i'm a girl dad he's like i really Mm -hmm. actually didn't and how you were just saying that he didn't have friends but like that was competitor kobe that wasn't the way that Mm -hmm. we talk about you know seeing coaches evolve how Mac Brown maybe came in as a hungry youngster but he left as a grandpa that was old and comfortable and we were seeing not only the change of Kobe say from the Mamba and the end of his career to what we were just getting little pieces of post-career but that really that changed man inside it seemed to be playing out in his family life on a day-to-day basis and it really sucks because I didn't I had no clue when I'm reading like 
on the bottom line quotes from Neko Wumikate saying that like Giannis Bryant was literally like the future of women's basketball. Like she was going to be the face of this yep. league, and those type of things just really suck overall. But at least there's like some type of folklore and legacy to continue with that family. Yeah, um, Mike Rhodes, our outstanding recruiting editor at Horns Twenty Four Seven, he actually has a Kobe story that he posted on Twitter. Uh, one Kobe moment I can share. I was working in promo for a radio station the night Kobe dropped 62 and three quarters on the Mavs. We did the postgame show in a place overlooking the practice court. Just as we were wrapping up, Kobe came out to put up shots. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. And then I just want to read the statement. Oh, that was a 60 and three quarters. Yeah. 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 He outscored the Mavs by himself. In three quarters. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Not um, the Jalen Rose 81. This is uh, this is part of Shaka Smart. He was asked about Kobe on Monday, and, and was asked about the influence he's had. And I, I think this quote quote from Shaka sums it up. Well, I think he's had a ton of influence. I actually wish more guys would really, really study him and understand what he was about. It's interesting. We're almost getting to the age now with our younger guys and guys we're recruiting that they really didn't start watching basketball until after Kobe's prime. There's a ton of things that are impressive about him, but I think at the top of the list is just his standard, a standard that he had for himself, for his teammates, and it was an unwavering standard that centered around one thing, winning. Again, in terms of following an example, I don't think there's a better guy to follow. Life has gotten maybe a little more complex since the time that he came out of high school, so I think maybe that has changed certain people's perspective and approach towards what they do, but he was about winning. He held his teammates, himself, his coaches, everyone to such a ridiculously high standard. That's why he was able to will his teams to what he was able to do. He's really going to be missed. Yeah. No, it is. It, uh, it's one of those things. I, I was... You know, one quick nugget before we move on to Texas football. Weibo is the uh, Chinese version of Twitter, and they're dealing with, obviously, the coronavirus. They're quarantining, like, almost 60 million people. I mean, it's very, obviously, very unfortunate. They're dealing with some really tough, tough stuff. But uh, when Kobe died on Sunday, uh, 2.4 billion views, I think it said views, impressions, and engagements on Weibo, uh, Chinese Twitter, were about Kobe, the most widely discussed topic on Chinese version of Twitter. Uh, he <laughs> So instead of talking about the virus potentially that's taking over their country and killing people, they were talking about Kobe. Yeah. That's how important it was. Kobe's taking over Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week, we're not even talking about the Super Bowl. Right. We're talking about Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is crazy. The Grammys. We weren't talking about the Grammys anymore. We were talking about Kobe and Kobe's mm-hmm. house. It's just amazing how it's taking over pop culture right now. And uh, the last thing I'll say is, Rod, you've been in my office. Uh, I've got the trading card display on one of my shelves in my office. Mm-hmm. I walk by it every day. I got three cards on a little holder. It's a LeBron rookie card, Michael Jordan, and Kobe right there. I walk by it every day. Amen. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. There's no easy way to segue, but let's segue. It's time for our first break on this week's show, but when we come back, there's plenty of Texas football talk on the other side, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. Talked about, and I don't know how much more we could talk about the coaching search slash hiring process since that's kind of stalled a little mm-hmm. bit. At least I think until Texas gets through signing day uh, to hire that second defensive line coach. But I want to talk a little recruiting just in terms of how it impacts the big picture. But I want to start with the Senior Bowl, Rod. And I'll be honest, Rod, 100%, I yield to you on a lot of the NFL stuff because I'm just kind of miffed every year at what this league apparently values, what they don't value, why they draft certain guys, why they don't draft certain guys, how a guy like Charles Amenahu can fall to the fifth round, and then it was like, oh, man, he should have been taken higher. Yeah, we sat here and told everybody he should have been taken higher. So... They didn't even know Patrick Mahomes was a first-round pick. Except for well. Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy Reid. I'll trade him. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I'm talking about until the process was over. Remember, at the beginning of the process, he was like a second off. He was like third-round pick. Like, yeah, he was a second-round guy. And Joe then, Burrow at this time a year ago was like yeah, a, and day, about it, a exactly. day three pick. Un- yeah, exactly. So it, it, they, don't, they don't really know. Yeah. So the Senior Bowl goes down. Brandon Jones doesn't play in the Senior Bowl because of the shoulder injury he had late in the year that caused him to miss the bowl game. And I talked to a team source who told me Brandon Jones really wanted to play in the bowl game, but the injury was just such that yeah, it's not it, worth it, it wasn't worth hurt it yourself for him. Again. He was going to yeah. be – it could have been a detriment to the team. It was better to have a healthy Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster back there than have Brandon Jones at not anywhere 
and the ballpark close 100%. Totally agree. I do think, you know, Brand, I, I, I want to talk, we'll talk about Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay here in a sec, but with Brandon Jones, Rod, I kind of think he is what he is in terms of the eyes of the draft evaluators, just from the standpoint that I think he can go, he can go to the combine and run a great time, which I've had people tell me they think he can go to the combine and run a great time. Uh, but I think it, his ball skills kind of are what they are. Like there, there's enough tape out there to show you what his ball skills are, and I think Brandon Jones will be the first to admit to you yeah. his ball skills are not that great. So I think really it's kind of combine or bust for him at this point. Uh, yeah, if he wants to significantly increase his draft stock, I think he's got good film out there. I think the fact that he's played nickel and you've seen him play multiple positions in that secondary at the safety position, I think it helps him. He does have a lot of versatility. Uh, I don't know if he's going to go there and run a four, a low four four or anything like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's that fast. I, I mean, I, I really, I genuinely don't know. I don't know saying. either. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't know his the. the yeah, I don't re- really have a grasp on how fast Brandon Jones is, but I know he's really skilled. I like Brandon Jones as a player. I think a team could really use a, a player like with his versatility on the back end. So I, I think he'll get drafted. He'll probably get drafted around where Robbie got drafted, truth be told. Um, you know, what so I mean? he'd be maybe late day two or I think day three. Third, I think he's a third or fourth round guy. You know what Lacking I mean? Lacking ball skills was also no, no, the criticism. Like, yeah, no, like yeah. a, that's yeah. where you get a good value. Like literally, yeah, that, I when I first player. read that, that's something that I'm I was not, like, oh, this means that he's going to actually probably go to a place that's going to value yeah. his skill set yeah. and be a good exactly. landing spot. Like he's a good DB. Yet you're saying only the few random times that he might be able to make a interception. That is why we're only going to devalue him because in theory that's like four or five pass plays out of hundreds in a season but that, that those four or five pass plays can be they are big the first and they're more valued rounder. than they were i mean honestly truth is if i'd have caught three 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 of the four three of the three or four more picks that i dropped i'd have probably been drafted in the third round instead of the fourth round that's just the way that's it why is. the perfect i mean yeah. you're that but, type of comparison but i will say that's because they're drafting specific things right they want a ball hawk so mm-hmm. all right ball hawks there's more value on ball. Yep. They got these big boards, these big charts, all right? So they're, they're va- there's certain things that certain teams value speed over other teams. Certain teams value tackling ability. It depends on the system they're running. So with a guy like Brandon Jones. He's uh, going to drop know, you off hopefully. that first day board. I think, yeah, he doesn't have the, the elite speed. I don't think. I don't think he has any elite quality. Maybe that's yeah, it. So that's yeah, give me the elite quality down. for Brandon Jones. He really doesn't have one. Thing he does one. better than everybody else or as good as everybody else. None, but all of it's which are satisfactory. No ball skills, no speed. Not a great tackler. He's not, you know, but he's good at a lot of things. But he's not great at anything. I don't, I don't, by the way, Rod B wasn't necessarily great at anything. And I don't, covered man to man. I don't think. I don't like, think Brandon Jones is necessarily bad at anything. But the ball, exactly. the ball skills aren't elite. You yeah, know? but the, the, for the first and second round, they want a skill. They want a trait that's elite. They're gonna be like, oh, see, he does. He's elite at this. If you look at the him, one. You know what I mean? Well, that's why we were talking about Holton Hill a couple years ago. That's why Holton Hill, Rod, I know you talked to some of your scouting buddies. Like, there were teams that had Holton Hill with like a second round grade. Oh, they loved Holton mm-hmm. Hill. But the knucklehead in Holton Hill, it wasn't like, worth it. Well, got a super value because he yeah. was playing a lot with yeah. the Vikings. Happens, Rod, happens all the time. Here's what I can't figure out. And I'm not, I don't mean to demean Holton, so I'm just speaking in general. I think if you go to the combine and you test positive for marijuana, then. I think that's not a character issue. That's an intelligence issue because you know you're going to be tested. It's both. Yeah, <laughs> it no, could both. be. But you it's more so an intelligence thing. Like you, you, there's a time you know though, it's coming. That sometimes you think you aren't going to get caught, though. You think you might have something that's going to make you. It's yeah. not smart, and that's no, a- adding to your intelligence area. Yeah. But yeah, it's a varying of degrees. That's why he's off degrees. from people's boards. It was like, okay, he's off the damn board. I can't believe because what either they're like, this guy's failed the idiot test, and he's not smart to know. Can you just stop smoking for the two months or whatever you got? If you can't do that, you also got a problem, which I don't want you on my board. Right. Or it's a character issue. And he's just, you know, he's got a bad character. And, and he, you know, so I don't think it's either one necessarily with Holton Hill, but that's the perception. And that gets you scratched off a lot of people's boards. I say entirely. that because you know when the combine comes you know up, it's going to happen to somebody. There's going to be three or four guys. And hopefully, that's the NFL happen quits well, they that test everybody at the combine. Well, I know, that's but what like, I'm saying. Like, <laughs> we need to just have the conversation. Though, at the combine, and they're slowly going to quit testing for weed. You're not going to fall between the raindrops, though. Like, I don't understand. Like, have y'all followed legislation here in Austin the last two weeks? Now, it isn't even illegal. You get pulled. 
pulled over. You can't even be taken to jail for weed. And you have states where it's legal. So that is something that the NFL is going to continue to be not as punitive. But the NFL is a private company, so that doesn't matter. A private company right now that hires you and me, they can also say, hey, I want to piss test you. And then you get tested. I'm just saying if you're using it against somebody, we're going to see less Government regulation and private company regulation are two different things. The NFL, we've already talked about it. The NFL can do what they want to do. But I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. But that's no reason for the players to go out there and, and try to maintain that stance as to why they're testing positive. Agreed. No. Just saying that the way you yeah. grow up in certain areas and places, it's a Still lot no different excuse, than though. like, no, right. I agree. Yeah. It's not can an I, excuse. Can yeah. I make an, a quick NFL? But I agree with you. I'm not making a point, but can I ask you a question <laughs> Just here, like Rod? to point out the pointless <laughs> yeah. things that um, we talk about sometimes. Well, no, when you no talk question. about elite traits, right? I think when you when we looked at Quandre Diggs coming out of the draft, Quandre had some elite traits. Like when he was He's a, ball, a ball, hawk. ball hawk and football like you off the charts. I uh, see football IQ off the charts. I love that he's an old soul. That helps too. They like guys who grew up in football families. As, as a as a fan of the Dallas Football Cowboys, when I see that Quandre Diggs went to the Seattle went to the Seahawks just for a seven, we talked about that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't and know then why to look te- at the Texans need him too. I don't know why the Texans to look at how like oh the Seahawks are suddenly. Their turnovers are raining in again because I think Quandre's half the, the NFL would have given up a set. But actually, I think, I think twenty-five out of thirty-two teams would have given up a seventh-round pick for Quandre Diggs. Even if you guys started like a seventh, hell yeah, I'll take it because yeah. he had a very friendly contract too. I don't know why the hell the, the Detroit Lions did that. That was crazy. Even Darius Slay said, "I don't know what we're doing because he, they're the Detroit Lions." He's like, "That didn't make no sense at all." That guy was a good player. You got him cheap. I don't know what the hell. And to doing. answer Jeff's <laughs> question, it's because they're the Dallas Cowboys. It's yeah. like there's no vision there. No, but Jerry Cowboys. Jones. Yeah, anybody should have done that. I don't but know. I think I think Brandon Jones could be one of those value picks for the Cowboys, like in the you know, could be. third yeah. fourth round because they need they, they need, need safety, safety help. help. I agree. With uh, that. So let's talk. About Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay, right? I think Colin Johnson. I don't know if he was expected to like just blow it out and have this great Senior Bowl. He definitely. I don't think he he definitely didn't hurt himself, but he did help himself yeah. in Mobile with what he did because yeah. I think everybody finally said, okay, a healthy Colin Johnson. Is he a first round guy? Probably not. But is there great value there with him? Absolutely. Because when you talk about guys that get drafted in the first three rounds, he's got elite traits. He does. His his ability to use his body, his, his high point, point ball skills, yeah. catch radius, yeah. those are elite traits. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember, this is from, I'll make sure I get the date right. Okay, so from the from 2019 mock drafts, if Colin Johnson had left early. All right, so if he had left early, this is some of the mock drafts. Matt Miller at Beach Report had him at 19th overall. R.J. White had him 25th overall to Green Bay. Walter Camp had him 16th overall to Philly. Draft Blaster had him 26th overall to Atlanta. The Big Lead had him 26th overall to Carolina. Obviously, mock drafts from a couple of years ago. And then mock drafts prior to this season for Colin Johnson before the injuries and everything. Um, SB Nation's mock draft had him at number 22 to the Cowboys. Um, uh, Sporting News mock draft had him at number 23 to the San Diego Chargers. Bleacher Report mock draft had him going to the L.A. Chargers, and I believe that was also in the first round. Sports Illustrated mock draft had him going number 13 to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, <laughs> getting back to your point about he's, he's got elite traits, so usually that boosts you high up on somebody's mm-hmm. draft board if you got one or two things that he's really, really elite at that. He's gonna, like you said, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a high prospect on people's draft boards. It's always gonna be about his forty time. He's big, he's long, he's range. He's got an old soul because his dad was also a great football player, so he's from a football family. Can he run mid to low four five with the measurables? Yeah, can you run a mid? If he runs a mid to a low four five, people are gonna start salivating over this dude. Yeah. Like right now, I think the projection is he's gonna run a four six. To a high four or five, maybe like that. But if he can crack that, I got to. T- I know it sounds really yeah. superficial and shallow. He's gonna go up at least one round yeah, in the draft. Shout out to a Billy Embody from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Billy does great work for us on the network. Uh, Billy rent got some audio from Colin Johnson at the Senior Bowl, and I listened to it. Colin sounds confident he's going to run in the four or five range. If he does, I'm telling you, no, no, four fives. You know, I know it sounds superficial and shallow. Four five nine, four five eight, different from four five one. Yeah, four, you know four, I mean? four nine. Five, I, and I know it's like what? That's like seven tenths of a second, dude. I to know. them, it's huge. <laughs> it's exactly. a full first rounder to, or a second to or them, third rounder. Between them creating separation at the NFL level and you not being able to create separation at the NFL level while you run a route. So 
Yeah, I think he can run a 4-5. If he runs mid 4-5, man, the game changes for Colin Johnson. He's going to interview well. because you, You've spoken to Colin Johnson for more than two minutes. You know, yeah. okay, he gets it. His, his dad, he's obviously taught him well. He knows how to play the game. He's going to do well in drills, too, because I think he's got really good hands, and he's long and rangy. That 40 time, and I hate to say it because it's so trivial. Because I know in the end it doesn't matter at the NFL level. It's all about whether you can play. But that's what's going to determine what, whether he's what drafted about in the first the dra- three rounds or drafted in the last three rounds. Yeah, that's what I was just when I said at the top about the draft process. Well, like, well, like well, is, is the, does the does the forty time really matter that damn much when you start to break it down? But for some teams, it does. For, for listen, Al Davis famously, you know, won multiple Super Bowls because he's like, listen, we're gonna have the fastest speed. team in the NFL, and speed kills one thing you cannot teach. And sin- from then on, almost like the Bill Walsh coaching tree, how a lot of those fundamental concepts and philosophies have been able to trickle down because they've had sustainability and longevity people still and I believe it speed you cannot teach right. it and it is freakish well, if you're but equal, I will say that football speed is something that people are starting to realize is a thing and it, yep. football speed ain't what people think it is it's all about angles to the football and it's IQ, all about football IQ and they be able to process a play and that's why Lil Jordan Humphrey I believe Lil Jordan Humphrey we talked about this can play at the NFL level uh, and they realized, I think the Saints have realized that, like, oh, nine. he's pretty good at, you know, watching him in practice squad and everything like that. But what do you run, a 4-9 or Yeah, 4-8-9. 4 8 Even to this day, you go, hey, I watched him on a football field, and I swear I've seen him run faster than a 4 8 nine. Yeah. on a football field with pads on, helmet on, with a defender draped on him, and yet that's what he runs. But that's, that's football speed is a different thing. Yeah. So you got to be able to evaluate that, too. And we talked about yeah. Quandre a second ago, and it's weird. If you look at, and I know this sounds a little crazy, but if you look at the person and the player, not much difference from Colin Johnson and Quandre, but except for when you look at the measurables, and one's diminutive and drops well, in value, and the other one has all of also the great measurables and the speed. So, but I'm talking about like the identifying no, no, no. of angles, totally the old head. You're a value Quandre guy, right? Kid. You, you yes. know value better than anybody. This is the thing that's hurting Colin Johnson. I've I said this for years. The wide receiving position is the deepest position in football mm-hmm. and has been for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep repeating that until people start repeating it and you'll start hearing it nationally. It is. And it has yeah. been. Every year you'll hear them say, this is the deepest wide receiver position we've had in years. Mm-hmm. This might be the deepest in 20 years. They said that last year, actually. And they're saying it again this year. They said it two, three years ago. They'll say because every good pro football program in college now has five, at least five wide receivers. At least five good ones. And then some, like LSU's got like three elite ones. Look and at Texas, Ole Miss hell, last Texas year. Got, Texas, Texas got two damn good ones. Last year had three damn good ones. Ole Miss this last hell. year was DK Metcalf yeah. and Brown. Go look at Baylor. Baylor's got like two or three good ones. Dude, they're everywhere. Yep. And so in that vein, I think teams are starting to, get, are starting to realize I can find really good wide receiving talent late. Clemson's I really about can. to have four of them come yeah, out like, in two I don't, years. Yeah, some of these guys, there's going to be a Devin DuVernay drops in my lap in the, in the, sec, in in the third round. round or so, you know what I mean? I might get a Colin Johnson in the fourth. I think so. I think that is driving down the wide receiving value. On the opposite, hundred percent, it's hard to find DBs in this era of very progressive modern age football with the RPOs and the up tempo offenses, and you know uh, all the different ways with the dual threat quarterbacks and all the different ways that the offense is gaining advantages over the defense for mm-hmm. just an instinctual football player to like go out there and make a play, even when he's disadvantaged by the scheme. Right, the, the scheme has an advantage over him, but Quandre's like, I, I feel it, and the I'm mismatch. Gonna, you know what? I'm taking that. this angle because. I know, even though I'm supposed to go on the outside show, I'm mm-hmm. going inside because I know I can make this play. You need more defenders like that. So I think Quandre's stock is actually rising, guys like him. And I think the stock of wide receivers who are really, really skilled, I think it's dropping just because it's so many good. Hell, Alabama's got like four first-round wide receivers. Yep, it's absurd. Like, you know what I mean? They're everywhere. Why? Because we're playing a, a prolific spreading offense and everybody needs six wide receivers in the rotation alone. Yep. Yeah. To your point, Rod, and I think you'll see this in the draft, there's certain positions every year that are going to be overvalued and overdrafted. Like quarterbacks are always overdrafted. Always. Left tackles. If you can be a legit left tackle, you're always overdrafted. Amen. Uh, Edge rushers. Oh, like every year, you're going to see an edge rusher that might have a legit third round grade that ends up going in the top 15 picks. Except for my old men. Yeah. Uh, in <laughs> you know corners like corners if you got if you if you're one of those corners that goes to the combine and runs a four and three you're long and ranging yep. you're six one you might have had a third round grade son you're just going in the top twenty I'll congratulations yep that's exactly right so but then like you said wide receivers one of those safety is one of those positions that is continually undervalued it is undervalued. for whatever reason yeah 
And yet it. we got the turnover numbers every year to suggest that, no, you need to invest in this position. You need to value this That's position. That's Brandon yeah. Jones, the high ba- football <clears throat> yeah. IQ, he could really fit that mold if he is that type of guy that it may be tough. Now, a lot of those guys, it's a bummer because like maybe the first year's the hardest one because you're just trying to hold on a roster and you haven't been able to prove that this wealth of knowledge that is really immeasurable within your mind that that. only another great mind that can sight and see those intangibles within somebody I mean Pete Carroll's like I he calls him Little Earl is what he calls Quandre he He just called to show up I say I can go trade for me a Little Earl like hell I would be surprised if he just continues to come to Texas and trying to get DBs down here, you know, like those type, but you have to know what you want and have to identify it and then have the confidence or say the job stability, which a lot of these guys maybe don't have to even have the, you know, balls to go out there and take something that's believed or perceived to be an outside the box or maybe not a great pick, but you're doing it strictly because no, it's my strength. I identify it. Let's go. I will say that I think both Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson are going to be steals for a team. I think Duvernay is going to be a steal. I think there's a, 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 a I think Shanahan loves guys like that. I know we're talking a lot about Shano, but I think Shano loves guys like that. We know that because he drafted Jalen Hurd out of Baylor, mm-hmm. right? He he's really high on Jalen Hurd, but I think he's dealing with injuries this year. But he's got the same kind of skill set, multiplicity with a guy like Debo, Debo Samuel. Loves guys like that, and Devin Duvernay's got some Debo in him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We yeah. all know Devin Duvernay got a little Debo in him. Matter of fact, I, what if uh, and Debo Samuel I think is a better wide receiver right now than. Than, than Devin Duvernay. I'll say that right now. I truly, I truly believe that. Awesome last name, year, too. Debo Samuel had 21 forced missed tackles. I think right now, Devin Duvernay's got 20, I think he's got 23. Wow. Um, forced missed. And that's just on reception. That Delpit one yeah. should be counting as two. It should be counting uh, as two. <laughs> and here's, D, I'm looking at Debo Samuel's pre draft measurables. Tell me if this doesn't sound like Devin Duvernay. 5'11 and a quarter, 214 pounds, 31 and 3 inch arms. Uh, hand size ten inches, four yard, four yard dash, four four eight, four four one four uh, short shuttle, seven oh three cone drill, thirty nine inch vert, ten two broad jump, fifteen reps on the bench. And Duvernay's gonna better. He's, some I think he's gonna be numbers. better than that. Like yeah, just to work. Like Devin Duvernay could go, probably gonna he's go in the 20, 20 to twenty five range on the bench press. And I think he'll be a low four four and a four three guy. I don't know if he'll hit four two like Mike. Like he's going. He'll be a four three. Like guy. He's a, people forget like he's a legit six hundred pound squat guy. Yeah, people. Yeah. And then we <laughs> already talked about that. But Greg Delpit probably knows Devin Duvernay is a six hundred pound squat guy. Well, and I mean even all the way back to like the eighties, and it's been like you look at that lower torso. I heard your boy Sims talking about like one of the first things his dad taught him on the football field was like, nope, you know what makes LT great? It's that booty. That big butt, and then, yeah. like, it's and the base. same idea. Well, and you have that with somebody like Duvernay, and you see that same body type with Debo Samuel when you brought yeah. that up. It just reminded me of him. No, he, I think he's a – I think in terms of unique – I grade receivers at Texas by how tough they would have been for me to guard. I think Shipley would have been the toughest. Roy Williams was second toughest. And I think Devin Duvernay would have been third. I think he'd be the toughest guy to, to, to cover out there. He's – Freaking of, he's just. They're not arm tackling that guy. Well, because I don't want to give him. I want to give him cushion because he runs a ten two. So I'm yeah. not gonna let him just run right past me. I don't want him to get yeah. even. It's hard to jam a guy who squats six hundred pounds because it, I don't know if it's I like can slow him down. He just yeah, he just kind of. And then I don't want to give him cushion because he breaks a lot of damn tackles. So if I give him too much cushion, he catches the ball in front of me. That's what he loves. And Great he was squared up. I he's dude. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the other thing about the Senior Bowl that just drove me nuts is, and I saw people like Todd McShay talk about it, like the this assumption of like, well, Duvernay's top end speed isn't great. A freaking Google search and spending five seconds online will tell you everything you need to know about his top end speed. Yeah, it's crazy. That's just lazy. That's lazy I can't scouting. believe people said that too. That's and crazy. then like you look he at like won the, state right? And, like yeah, I, I watched him run. I watched him run a ten two seven with my own eyes. I watched it. I think it was wind dated. So it was like a people, also, oh, anyway, anyway, people said Derrick Henry doesn't have top end speed, and God. he was also the state champion yeah. trackster. Yeah, of but I think he was clocked at 21 miles per hour at the senior, senior ball. Exactly. Like the catapult numbers, it was him, and I, there was a couple of the guys I forget yeah. who it was, but he was I like the good. second fastest or third fastest Can't guy at the senior bowl. So you, I think, though. If you're a Texas fan following the draft, and look, you're going to hear all the tropes on draft day. Oh, Texas didn't have a guy in the first round. Well, get that through your head right now. None of these guys are getting taken in the first round unless no. just like Duran no, runs no, like no. a four-two-four or something at the Still combine. Still won't get drafted in the first round. It won't happen. Right, like it's something just insane is going to have to happen for that to happen. So just get that out of your mind yeah. that that's going to happen. But I think that we're going into draft time, and we're you know the past couple of years it's been well, could this guy get taken? Could this guy get taken? I think I feel pretty confident saying all three of those guys are going to get drafted. I totally agree. 
And I think if I'm they, um, if I'm judging it, if I'm predicting, I'd draft Devin Duvernay ahead of all of them. And it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if you got to day three and all those guys are off the board already. Yep, and it wouldn't surprise me if you got day three and they're all still on the board. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be shocked either way. I'd be like, okay. I'd like, like, if you'd ask you never me, know what's going to be a run on a certain position or in whatever. those positions. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, what you're talking about, Rod, with wide receiver, yes, it's deep, but you could get to – you know, the middle of the second round, and somebody could be saying, "Oh man, oh maybe we had Jalen Rager as our our guy that we thought we could get him late. Now he's going twenty spots ahead of time. Well, who's our next best receiver? If they've got Devin Duvernay graded as the next best receiver, like He'll be the guy. He either needs to be our next pick, or maybe we need to trade up to get him. If there's a run on receivers, so you never know. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Anything else, Rod? Stand out, Senior Bowl wise or draft wise? Um, I mean, is, is there? Well, I mean, keep in mind this 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 process and us projecting is not about these guys making it in the league and making a roster. This is about their draft prospects and their draft stock. And I, this it seems crazy that we just played a whole season of football and now this is what it comes down to whether these guys are going to get drafted or not. If they just get on the NFL roster, I I think honestly all three of these guys can stick for a while. Yeah. Keep in mind the average NFL career is three and a half years. Yeah. So when I say stick for a while, I mean make it more than a year on a yeah. roster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I think they can. Yeah, I mean, Matt, when we do our, uh, we've d- done our bust rates and hit rates. I mean, we've basically said, like, look, if you're at least on a practice squad for a full year, Dude. we count you as an NFL guy. Cause that's <laughs> that a, is an NFL. It's a three and a half year is, career. And, you know, I t- Rod, I texted you during the draft because I know, I know we poke fun at Rod B's NFL career. We have fun at Rod's expense. He but in the NFL. I t- Rod, I made a point to text you last year during the draft, like, to be to be just to be drafted to have your name called and to it get is. a few years out of it, I mean that is a hell of an accomplishment when you consider Rod the small of guys that have ever played the game of football at any level, yeah. the extremely minuscule percentage of people you're yeah. in. It's a hell of an accomplishment. No, it is. And to, well, I I even Beyond, the guys that like stick the on the rosters league. though, those are the guys that I admire, like the Corey Reddings of the world and. You know, Derek Johnson that stick yeah. for yeah. you know called ten years. I mean, I'm like, I don't know how Frank Gore's know a how dinosaur. It's like, amazing. It really is when you watch I mean, what's the um I saw Ed Reed on the no, sideline. Larry Fitzgerald is playing like seventeen years now, yeah. right? Yeah. Fountain Dude, of Youth. I, yes, I remember guys, thinking, man, I don't like amazing. this Fitzgerald amazing, guy. Man. He got drafted ahead of Roy Williams. They were like the same draft. Like that's how long it's really? been. Damn, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's exactly he was that's how. Over that's how that, I mean, some guys they can play that long, and, and some he's guys doing can, that in the yeah. slot. If you can make it with volume, yeah. if you can like, make it a year or two on the NFL roster, dude. I got respect for you. It ain't it ain't easy. It's insane. I mean, just talking about getting a college scholarship is the amazingly yeah. elite level, but we're talking about the NFL. But now NFL we're going to XFL, though, baby. Yeah. They had that when I was around. It would have played five more years. <laughs> Easy. That's what I'm really upset about. I'm like, damn it. If I had a league like and that And you would have played in the played ruthless XFL. Like they played, had hockey I'm, I'm cool. scrums out hey, there. That would have been all fun, man. That I'd one had some crazy rules. I had a great rules. name on the back of my jersey, Black Caesar. People were like, yeah. Black Caesar. Remember me? Like, he hate me. Black Caesar. Man, you Black Caesar? Yeah, I'm Black Caesar. Uh, yeah. so, that would have been awesome. All right, one last break on the show, and when we come back, it'll be time to wrap it up and put it in the oven and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am doing it all, the water, the fiber, the exercise, but I still have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keep coming back. My doctor said that I may have a chronic medical condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Deep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. 
Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. I am doing it all the water, the fiber, the exercise, but I still have constipation with belly pain, straining and bloating that keep coming back. My doctor said that I may have a chronic medical condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Beep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. I am doing all the right things, drinking plenty of water, eating right, and exercising. But month after month, my constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating keep coming back. Irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC, affects 13 million Americans. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. All right, well, we'll talk uh, maybe some more recruiting next week. Actually, next week when we do this podcast, it'll be right around National Signing Day, so maybe we'll have something to talk about. But we'll get into spring ball. We'll talk more about the Delia Dayaway injury and the fallout from that and kind of where Texas goes and maybe talk some more positionless football and get into some good X's and O's talk. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019-1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt. You can get all of our archives, classic interview, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get this podcast by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.